Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 53. This is Deb Falzoy, and today I'm talking about three textbook workplace abuse aspects of Anita Hill's story. Anita Hill is the lawyer who spoke up in 1991 and gave testimony at the hearing for for Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas. And there's a uh, documentary about her story called Anita, and I want to tell you and share with you what those three aspects are. Are you ready to hear about them? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. So I had a chance last weekend to watch the documentary Anita, which was on uh, Apple Movies through Apple TV, and it it talks from Anita Hill's perspective about her experience with the Clarence Thomas hearings in 1991. Um, as you probably remember, Clarence Thomas was, um, it, it was a case of the Judiciary Committee trying to vet Clarence Thomas for the Supreme Court. And um, I want to talk about three work, workplace abuse aspects that were textbook in this situation. And I'm going to start with the fact that there was so much victim blaming. So that's number one, is the victim blaming. And it came from both some members of the Judiciary Committee as well as the public. So, well, let's start there. So first of all, Anita Hill reports, you know, a a ton of attention around this that she did not want, um, which, you know, can be the case in a workplace situation, probably not to the level of the Anita Hill experienced it, but she did feel vilified from those who, you know, heard about it and watched the the hearings, um, which also can happen in workplace situations. So oftentimes when coworkers hear of a report of abuse, um, or even witness it, they can believe that it is the, the target's fault because it helps them believe in a just world. It's, it's almost traumatic or can be traumatic in situations to see someone abusing someone else with zero consequences. And so Anita Hill reported that she received death threats and threats of sexual assault and just a lot of hate mail basically as a result of this. But it wasn't just that piece of it. It was also coming from members of the Judiciary Committee who were interviewing her. So um, I don't remember the exact words that one of them used, but one of them was asking, you know, why didn't you come forward earlier? And probably knowing this culture of victim blaming, she did not want to put her career and reputation on the line. I don't remember the exact um, answer that she gave, but... There are risks involved with coming forward with your story. And she had to explicitly explain to these members of the committee that she wasn't telling this story as a legal claim. There wasn't a an obvious reason to blame her for coming forward with her story. She had many reasons not to come forward with her story, which is all of the death threats that she received and all of the the victim blaming that went on to her. Um, 
But there were there were more reasons to come forward that they did not appreciate or or seem to appreciate, or some of them at least didn't seem to appreciate, um, because of the way that they questioned her. You know, obviously trying to get to the bottom of of what happened and seeing as much evidence as possible, um, but coming into questioning her character would be a form of victim blaming that they used. The second textbook aspect in this situation of workplace abuse is the effect is the fact that the alleged perpetrator advanced regardless of the claim. So Clarence Thomas is sitting on the Supreme Court and he vehemently denied the allegations. Again, you know, this is a situation where Anita Hill didn't ha- really have reasons to come forward. And in fact, the documentary reports that um, there was a pretty strong lack of an investigation. So there were other women who um, were claiming sexual harassment in their work with Clarence Thomas, and they weren't part of the hearing. They weren't questioned. There was no investigation. And in a lot of workplace abuse, quote, investigations, it's pretty much he said, she said. There is no questioning of witnesses. Um, there, there's, there's, there's no bigger uh, scope than interviewing both parties and then making some sort of a decision that usually sides with the perpetrator because, of course, there's not going to be enough evidence to, 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 uh, have people believe that they committed the offense because they're not doing a a proper investigation. I think one of the really interesting parts of this case that uh, I didn't realize I was actually in high school at the time that, you know, in 1991 when this hearing happened and just really didn't understand um, some of the details that I then understood watching this documentary is that Clarence Thomas at the time of the alleged Um, workplace abuse and sexual harassment was actually head of the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. He was actually the one in charge of sexual harassment and discrimination claims. So the big irony here is that that was his role at the time um, when he supposedly um, sexually harassed Anita Hill. My third piece of this, or major aspect of of textbook workplace abuse, the final one here, is the post-traumatic growth. I don't, I can't say that Anita Hill absolutely went through trauma. I'm going to guess that she did, um, seeing what she went through. I don't recall that she used that word explicitly, but she claimed towards the end of the film that, you know, this is about using her voice and telling her side of the story and really focusing on dignity at worker of, of workers and and acknowledging the how far we've come, but how far we still need to go. And that is um, a piece that I often see people who've recovered from workplace abuse get to, that their voice matters, that their feelings matter, just because they weren't in the power role in their workplace abuse situation doesn't mean that they don't have a side of it and that they shouldn't be allowed to give their side of it. In fact, if we collectively 
talk about our sides of it, even if it's anonymously, that's when things can change. That's historically when anything has changed, when there has been some kind of movement, a social movement around an issue, that's when things change. We're looking at things like women's suffrage or gay marriage, or hopefully we'll see some change around the around the protests from Black Lives Matter last summer. Um, but it's when people speak up about things that things change when people collectively use their voices. So those are my three textbook workplace abuse aspects of, of Anita Hill's story. I highly recommend this documentary again. Um, it is on the, the, the movies, uh, app in Apple TV. And I recommend that you watch it. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.